Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. We're excited here on Wesson Walker. We saw some competence from the Hornets in preseason game number one. Fitty, I know you were partying all night. Wes, I know you were going over the film. Hornets preseason game, numero uno, watching LaMelo Ball go for 17 points. Are we just giddy to see some competence out there on the court after watching an 0-5 start with the Panthers and watching the Hornets win 27 games last year? How are you feeling, man? Yeah, man, I'm excited for the season. I'm excited to see these guys play because, I, like I said, I was anticipating certainly um, what they were going to look like after two years ago when they made it to the play-in game for the second time, I was very interested to see where it was going to go from there. We didn't get the chance because of injuries and things of that nature. So I'm really excited to see what this team looks like at full strength because, you know, injuries are going to happen during the season. There's no question about that. But you would have to think mm-hmm. they would have to have the worst luck of any team ever to have an injury plague season like they had last year. I believe you do have in one of your topics, though, is does Charlotte sports have the worst luck ever? So maybe they as far do. as ownership. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The owners that we've had. But so maybe they do. Maybe that. But, maybe but that's so. OK. I'm trying to keep up the good vibes here, man. I'm trying to keep it up. Part of it was joking. Fitty was not uh, allowing the joke to live all that much. He was very silent <laughs> over there. You picked it up. You took it very seriously fitty decided i'm not going to turn on the mic because i'm just going to kill everything but it's war cry wednesday and i got reason to be excited and i'm just coming out of the illness that didn't allow me to put any juice behind my voice i'm a little afraid to do it here because as soon as i recover am i just going to scream loud enough to kill my voice once again no i think you'll be fine this All is right. just a little bit of uh explosion out of your voice okay you know what i'm saying fitty are you ready to go or are you gonna are you gonna give us a good yell or are you gonna give us a, a bad one like you had two weeks ago i mean look i don't really have a say in the matter I, you don't if, if, that's if i low woo i'm gonna get bullied if i <laughs> that's, loud that's woo i might break someone's speakers look so. this should be one of your best war cries ever you got a date tonight you know Woo! what I'm saying? You should be super lit. <laughs> That's okay. We won't dig any further. But but Fitty, but Fitty should be letting out a war cry tonight yeah, because we got a big be. North Carolina-Miami game this weekend. That's going to be something I think would bring the excitement out. Yep. Whatever. You know, he already said he's nervous. Nervous yeah. as hell. For the weekend or tonight? The weekend. <laughs> what I'm waiting for tonight. Oh, oh man, I'm ready. <laughs> you need to go look that up. Hey, we'll get you. We'll create a playlist for you for tonight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got that. Wait, let's do that, man. Yeah. That'll be a fun theme it for the be. show. Yeah. Uh, you, the the theme we all know what kind of theme. Yeah. Just go ahead and send in those themes. All right, we're done talking about. It. I'm sorry, Fiddy. <laughs> I love you. Get back with us. Get back with us. Let's let out a war cry Wednesday. You know the drill. We want you to stop at a stoplight and even belt that thing out. I want people to know what you're doing. Oh, okay. They're listening to Wes and Walker. I don't care if you're in your cubicle. I want you to scream as loud as you can where the boss has to come over, stop by your desk, and say what the hell is going on. I want all that to happen. At the count of three, let's go ahead and do it. One, two, three. Three. Ah! Open up the doors, Fitty. Let's get <laughs> off the bus. Let's get off the bus. I got yeah. 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 All right, we're limping in. My voice gave out a little bit after that yell. It's gonna be the Wes and Fitty show. That was uh that was a weak 
vision getting off of the bus. I think I tripped on the steps. That's okay, though. We're off and rolling. We're getting off the bus. It is Turn the Page Wednesday. We are on to Miami after the loss to Detroit. I, I view this as a significant checkpoint because when we talked about if they lost to Minnesota, that was the last game we had real hope at winning because uh-huh. you had two 0-3 teams going at it. They lose to Minnesota, and if we lost to the Vikings, we all knew this is going to be 0-6. That's just how it's going to be. They got destroyed against Detroit. Wes, I feel like this is the last game of just pure knowing you are going to lose and by a large margin. But if the spread on this game is 14 points in favor of Miami, and you would not be crazy at all to go ahead and take Miami on that even though you're talking about two touchdowns, okay? I I just, it feels like we have one more hurdle to get to to when then maybe we can get to some winnable games? I'm, I'm saying winnable. I'm not saying they're going to no, be No, I completely understand. We call them 50-50 yeah. games around my way. Even if, even maybe we don't call them that anymore, but like it's <laughs> pretty much 100-0 against Miami. That's the feeling. <laughs> At least we can get to like some 65-35 after this game. It seems like this is the checkpoint. We got to get over. We got to deal with another loss. And then maybe we can start to figure out some reasons for Carolina to win. I'd call Sunday a 99-1. You always got to give a pro team a That's little fair. bit of a chance, a sliver, man. That's they, fair. You, you see wild stuff all the time. As I say, my Queen City Magic theory, this would be a perfect Queen City Magic type of game when you go in thinking that the Panthers have no shot at all, and then you turn on the TV third quarter, and it's like 17, 14 yeah. Panthers. And you're well, like, what's going on? Well, here's the crazy thing, too. Uh, I'm not saying they ever would have come close to winning this game against Detroit, but the thing that put them out of it early, it was the interception. I mean, they scored touchdowns oh, 14 yeah. to 7, and they were driving. I, well, I shouldn't say they were driving. They were starting a drive. Mm-hmm. And then they had two turnovers back-to-back. But I'm with you. It, it feels like we, if we get past this, then maybe we can start to breed some hope within the fan base again, or at least attempt to. Uh, yeah, it is, but I mean, this this could this could go a couple of ways. So I know Anthony Richardson just got put on IR, so he probably won't be available for that matchup, but it could go the other way, man, because I know that you say rock bottom, that term, but it could get worse, because if you lose to the Texans and C.J. Stroud comes out and looks masterful in the performance, then that's just going to make it worse. And even though the people who know, know, and and you're not going to be tripping off of that, but the people who are just uh, totally against Bryce is going to further their case. And then, like I said, you won't have to deal with Anthony Richardson. But the Colts are a team that they've gotten some some good wins this year. So they're definitely not going to be a pushover. And neither are the Texans. Oh, I mean, and by the way, you missed Drew and him coming into the fishbowl today. To be fair, me and Fiddy are the ones that brought it up. But have you seen the Gardner Minshew stat? I have not. So, so Drew, for those that don't know, maybe you've heard of us mention the Gen Z giant before. He's the 6'10 former basketball player that attended like six different schools. He is he is the, <laughs> the Georgia Rice, West Virginia quarterback <laughs> here at the station. And he loves Gardner Minshew. Absolutely loves him. Every game he's appeared in this year, he has won. He is 3-0 and in any game that he's thrown a pass in. And so, of course, 
You got to be insufferable uh, you know, if that's he, your guy. Yeah, he ran through. <laughs> I know it's he amazing. took that one and held that over your head. It's amazing. By the way, I am struggling after that yell. What I predicted is coming true. Uh, my voice is now. It's going back. It's going off of the cliff. Yeah, somebody just rode in. It sounded, Coach Jeff said, sounded like Walker was getting dragged behind the bus rather than getting off of the bus. <laughs> that is certainly true. Uh, real quickly, yeah, let's just give an update on the Charlotte Hornets. They lost last night, and yet I feel good. That's where we are as Charlotte sports fans. <laughs> they lost last night to the Miami Heat in preseason game number one. But again, it's preseason. I just did not want them to get destroyed. So we would all have to deal with the jokes that the Hornets are in midseason form. They lose 113 to 109. But LaMelo comes back. Thought LaMelo looked good, Wes. Brandon Miller. I think you saw some of the issues that you expected, and there were some really nice plays. The spin move, loves going to the spin move to create some separation for himself, going to the mid-range. I thought that was nice to see from Brandon. I think Mark Williams. It reminds me of the Panthers winning a left tackle for so long, and this fan base actually became a pretty good one when it came to evaluating left tackle talent because we all knew what it took to just be an average blindside protector. And if we could get somebody average, then we would treat you like you were uh, Orlando Pace, if you were just average. I feel like we have that same thing with Mark Williams, where Mark Williams looks like he's going to be a good player, and now we're treating him like he's Hakeem the Dream. Because <laughs> we haven't had it in so long. Yeah. I think he's the real deal. What are some of the main takeaways that you had from a Hornets loss, but the rotation didn't match like they were trying to win? I mean, they had you know bench pieces in at the end of the fourth quarter. If you were trying to win, you would certainly change that. But I liked what I saw last night, Wes. Yeah, I mean, you know, they came out and you know, got 52 rebounds. They out-rebounded Miami, albeit by one. Then you also look to... Um, just this basketball team and, and, and Melo, when he comes out 5 or 13, like you said, he looked good. Seven uh, assists that he had on the night. Didn't get a steal. Didn't, you know, defensively, though, that's what I said that I wanted to see. And, I mean, it's preseason, but they held Miami to 41%, 31% from three. So, hopefully, if you can get that type of effort defensively from them, you know the scoring will come. They didn't shoot the ball well last night. Uh but other than that, I think defensively is what you wanted to look at. But the shooting, that's the thing that's going to be interesting with this team. Only 26% from three. And we know when I was talking about a couple of years ago when they were on pace and had everybody, Miles and the crew, uh, intact, that they were one of the better shooting teams in the NBA. And it's just been mystifying to me how they fell off kind of from three-point land last year. And so hopefully that 10 or 38 is just preseason guys knocking the rust off, getting back into the swing of things because they did shoot at 80%. Uh, plus 80% from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, the first game back. LaMelo being hurt last year contributed a lot to their three-point shooting downfall. Terry Rozier having the worst shooting season of his Hornets tenure last season, especially being in a different role. You know, the shots falling, that's going to have to be a larger sample size. Hopefully they fall. Uh, Brandon Miller went 0-4 last night. But you're worried about the wrong stuff if you're going to hold that against him. Like it's game one. Uh, I thought you saw some nice things. Defensively, we'll see how he's able to um, grow up in this league. My main takeaway, though, LaMelo looks very good. And Mark Williams looks like the real deal. Yeah, He wasn't getting pushed off his spot nearly as much. He was sealing down low. 
Really like him getting position under the basket. Had a buzzer beater dunk. Don't really see that a ton. Where it was a clean flush. That oh, was I fun. I saw it when he did it to my Deeks when he was yeah. at Duke. Is that right? Yeah. So Mark <laughs> Williams had that. So uh, some decent Hornets basketball to talk about as well. And he stuffed well. the stat sheet too. Him yeah, and man. Nick Richards as well. So Only they in 22 like minutes. Two good young bigs. Yep. 22 minutes really was the marker for a lot of the starters yeah. that appeared in this game. So good outing for the Charlotte Hornets in game number one of the preseason. Let's go back and talk a little more about the Carolina Panthers. Did the front office surround Bryce Young with enough leadership? A former Panther QB, a pretty important one, was talking about just that. We'll get to it. Wesson Walker, Sports and Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. One of my favorite music tweets that we've had in the last like five years, I think it's David Dennis Jr. saying, I can tell everything about you depending on what your favorite Carter album is. I think we talked about this a month ago, but if your favorite album is the Carter one, two, all the way through five, whatever, I can tell everything there is to know about you based off of your favorite Carter album. And I don't know why, but it makes sense to me. It really does. How hipster are you? Uh-huh. How mainstream are you? What part of Wheezy's timeline is your favorite of Wheezy? Uh-huh. It just made a lot of sense to me when he put that tweet out there. Yeah, I mean, I think you could tell a lot about people by their musical taste, but I think that's very interesting uh, with that one. Did you say yours or have we? Well, no, we have. Well, I think we've talked about it before. My favorite is Carter 2. Mm-hmm. The most nostalgic is Carter 3 because that's what I grew up on in high school. That That's when he was at the top of the power. I yeah. mean, he had every single song on Carter 3 was a hit. The height of his power. It really was. Yes. I mean, it, every single song on that album was on the radio, was a hit, was mainstream. And if you had a Lil Wayne feature, then it was going to be a hit throughout yeah. that like five, I mean, even 10 year stretch, to be honest with you. But my favorite album, I feel like the Carter 2, maybe I'm being a little too hipster. I don't want to be like too underground and try to be too cool for school. <laughs> Maybe that does say a lot about me, but Carter two is still my favorite. Yeah. Carter three is mine because of, like you said, all the, the hits on there, but then Carter one has a special place for me too, because it really represented his metamorphosis into mm. becoming one of the greatest rappers of all time. Like before that me. Wayne was always dope to me before yeah. you talk about black is hot lights out, all those great albums. Cause he had dope albums before that. But then it was like Carter one. He switched the flow up and yeah. it just took a whole nother course. Let's go to the text line. 704-570-9610. JJ said, yeah, he did 100 features in 2009. Number one troll. What if I don't have a favorite Carter album? Well, that says a lot about you. Number, <laughs> number one troll. As if we don't know enough about you. Got Carter two by a landslide. We have uh, has a ginger wife writing in Carter two and it's not close. See, I it's close. Yeah, it's close for me. That's one of the greatest. I guess franchise, as you could call it, in rap history. For sure. So everybody's sure. going to have their favorites. For sure. We got, uh, I like the Carter Three. My favorite song is Set the Stage on Fire. 
Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, we got a lot of people writing in on the Lil Wayne. What's your favorite album from Lil Wayne? Fitty, <laughs> do you have uh, one? See, my favorite Carter is Vince, but you know that doesn't apply yeah, yeah. to the conversation um, that we're having. No, that's a good one. You know, no, maybe that. even Coach Carter. Does he apply here? Uh, Darrell Carter. Hit it again. Go ahead. Um, you can keep hitting it. Go on. I think I'm all uh, <laughs> Craig Carton, but he's not a Carter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I ran out of steam. No, it's okay. Vince Carter and Coach Carter, those were good ones. Uh, let's go to the other text here as we start to talk a little more about the Charlotte Hornets and then go into the Panthers conversation. Mr. Research thought the Hornets looked good. Melo going to struggle for a few weeks because he's wearing ankle braces this year. He has to get used to them. But Mr. Research thinks that we are a playoff team. 980 writes in, so you're telling me there's a chance with the Panthers having that 1% according to you compared to Miami's 99% chance to win. So 980 choosing to view this with the glass half yeah, full. Yeah, the NFL, approach. man. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't even know if I have the 1% chance hope. <laughs> I want to. I want to have that for everyone. Uh-huh. A-Chan, he's not going to play in this game. He hits IR, but Raheem Mostert is still very good. And you also have Tyree Kill and Jay And Waddle just came back last week. Yeah, he did. He looked good. I think caught a touchdown pass, if he I'm not did. mistaken. Mm-hmm. So Miami's looking good. And I don't know if Carolina's going to be able to be competitive with them. I think that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping to see Bryce continue on this trajectory of throwing for more yards every single time he's out there. That's been nice to see that linear progress. Been nice to see from Bryce. But we also don't know if there's a lot of leadership surrounding him. And Cam Newton talked about that. Former Panther great. Greatest QB in Panthers history. He talked about how Bryce Young needs a little bit more leadership around him within this organization to be successful. What do you think Bryce Young needs to be the best he can be in Carolina? Leadership. I don't question Andy Dalton. I don't question the ownership. But the best thing, even for me, when I was a young rookie, was leadership. What do you want from Bryce? Because if I was in a position, I would have to say, let me console with him to say, are you ready? Do you feel comfortable in playing? There's something to be said about Tom Brady's evolving. There's something to be said about Patrick Mahomes evolving. We expecting instant grits when we should be waiting on Thanksgiving meal and preparation. We're rushing greatness. I think Bryce needs a number one wide receiver. He needs a bona fide guy that can just take away one side of the field. I think they tried to do it by committee with Thielen and Clark, but I put it like this. They have a team that could compete if Bryce Young was five years in the league. What do you think about Cam Newton's comments? Well, I know one of my favorite things about Cam Newton is when he always misuses a word, and he definitely he does a lot. with console right there. I was like, uh, where are we going, Cam? But I come to expect that from him. Um, yeah, I mean, when he's talking about the leadership, is he trying to say that Frank Reich is not providing enough of that for him? Uh, and then, you know, he was a little complimentary of the ownership when we were just talking about how bad that that seems like it seems to be going. But um, I guess Cam could say that he had guys like the Olsons and the C. Smiths of the world to be able to come in there and do that. But I think that Bryce has enough vets around him to uh, help him along. But as far as when he said, what what do you want from Bryce? Like, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. So I'm I'm not necessarily with Cam on this one. I think that Bryce knows what he needs. I think he's insulated with enough 
people around him to help him to get in and stay in the right direction. I just think that right now it's just a big mix of a lot of different things that's causing the season to go the way that it's gone. So I I have this conversation all the time when talking about the Hornets, when they were tanking or when they had bad basketball teams, they really started to tank after Kimball Walker. You had the decision. Are you going to pay him a bunch of money after his all NBA selection? They decide not to, not as much anyway as what Kemba was looking for. So he goes to Boston, and that reset the franchise. We don't have the best Hornet of all time anymore. Now we got to realize what we're dealing with, okay? To me, teams make mistakes by tanking to the point where all you have are young guys that aren't helping you out there on the court. So if you're LaMelo Ball, for instance, if you didn't have a veteran for him, who's he going to look to for on-the-court leadership? Hornets did, they gave him a little bit. I wouldn't say Gordon Hayward is a vocal leader, but Bismack Biombo was that guy for LaMelo. Constantly referenced Biz. That was a good signing, even if he didn't help a lot on the court. I don't see that same issue with the Panthers like Cam is expressing here. Right. I think maybe what gets twisted is when you go back and look at what Cam was dealing with his rookie season, you had a lot of older players, but they were also just better. So is there a distinction between leadership that is coming from players that are really good, like Steve Smith, like Greg Olson, like even a Jeremy Shockey at the end. I, I don't I don't know about y'all. I don't look at Jeremy Shockey and first thing that comes to mind is great leader. I, I, Jeremy Shockey, great player. I don't know if I view him and all of his crazy antics as great leader. Mm-hmm. But with Thielen, that was the selling point. It's just that Thielen isn't as good as Steve Smith, and he's having a good year right now. As much as I didn't think he was going to put up these numbers, I'll be wrong about that. Like, he's been the guy, the focal point of the passing game. But it's not Steve Smith. Cam Newton did have a better supporting cast. Offensive line, he did have Jordan Gross protecting him. The O-line was never great. And then even when you got to 2015, you had a great interior offensive line, but the tackles were Michael Orr and Mike Rimmers, enough said. But I don't know if... if if really are we mistaking good leadership with also just good players that are veterans around him. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. And I think that's where you're going with it as well, because how he can look at it and say, they don't have leadership. Thielen's a guy that's been kind of just that guy for them this entire off season, bringing him in and all the knowledge that he's brought. And he was once a pro bowler and he's playing really good football right now. Now their offense has a little bit of youth. And I wonder too, with Bryce, some of it, even though he's not that seasoned yet. But if a guy's not balling out like that, like you're wondering, does it go in one end out the other? Like if Miles Sanders comes and says something or something like that, and he's like, man, you can't even, you know what I'm saying? So, hmm. uh, like you, you said, like to you your, can't tell me nothing type of like, mentality? Yeah, like, not that you can't tell me nothing, but it's just kind of like, like if D'Angelo Williams comes and says something, a guy that's running 400 yards, that's out there playing really good football, Jonathan Stewart, you know what he brought to the table. Those guys saying stuff to a young guy, they're going to be more prone to lock in on the advice they're getting from them, whereas a guy that's not producing and then come and try to tell them what they should do. Like, you're going to be looking at them, well, look, dog, you, you, your own house is on fire, so what are you coming over here for? You know what I'm saying? But I think that with Bryce, I think that there are enough guys on the team we know the defensive leaders that were here when Cam was here, too, that uh, could help him along. And I feel like yeah. Burns and those guys are there to be able to do that for him. I mean, this team is not insulated with big-time veterans that can pass along great advice to the rookie. But I think he has uh, more than enough here to be able to 
give him a good foundation as a rookie quarterback. Well, and Fiddy, I know you wanted to talk about this as well. Like you, you found Cam Newton's comments interesting about the leadership that Cam might have had. Do you view a big difference, or is it, or is it just a big difference in talent? It. You go back to 2011. We recognize it once we go back and see it. Like we know the players they had, but it really was a talented supporting cast that he had. Two running backs that are number one guys in Williams and Stewart. You had Steve Smith that was still good at that point. He didn't hit even in Baltimore. He was a good receiver. Greg Olson was really starting to hit his stride as soon as he comes over in that trade. And then you have Shockey. Just a lot of talent that you do not have here from a supporting cast standpoint. I think the thing that you look at this current team compared to what Cam inherited as a rookie, who's the alpha male on this team? Like, if you had to point at the alpha male, you're probably looking maybe Brian Burns. Yeah. Like, it, like he's your alpha male. Like, you, you look at what Cam and Harry, like, Steve Smith was a bona fide Hall of Fame wide receiver at that point that he, that he was walking into. Um, you, you know, you had a running back duo that was among the best in the NFL. You could argue that D'Angelo Williams was an alpha male. Jordan Gross was an alpha male among that offensive line because he was one of the better left tackles and, and in football at the time, not the best left tackle. And like Bryce doesn't have that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And maybe that's just not in their DNA. It's not in their makeup, but you brought in Adam Thielen. You brought in Miles Sanders guys from winning organizations with winning backgrounds. You would think there'd be a much more, a much more vocal leadership role from those guys. And through five games, you have Miles Sanders complaining about being booed after he came from Philly where they boo Santa Claus. I don't know how y'all view Adam Thielen. <laughs> it's such a great... Yeah. Philly's never going to get over that, by the way. <laughs> They're never going to get over booing Santa Claus. Thielen seems pretty... Boo his ass! Th- yes! <laughs> Don McGregor, the first drop, boo his ass! Um, Thielen seems pretty vocal to me, though. I, I think so, too, yeah. He, I, I he, he chirps a lot. He, I mean, okay, like, but like, if, if, if he's your alpha male... It's still not as good as what Cam was inheriting with Steve Smith, who was a bona fide Hall of Famer. But it's it's funny to hear you say that, though. And, Wes, you might remember this, too. The, the conversation surrounding Steve Smith in the locker room was that, yeah, he was, getting along. was that he was hindering Cam from becoming that guy himself, and the locker room couldn't handle Steve and Cam. And if Steve Smith's listening out there, we know he does sometimes. So <laughs> we, love easy, you. Brother. we love you, Steve. <laughs> but, no, I and, – and I would – Maybe he's spoken on it a couple of times, but that was a thought process that there was some reason behind that thinking as to why Steve eventually would leave. And of course, we know that Steve was pretty pissed at the organization in the Dave Gettleman era when he finally goes on to Baltimore and they just decide to move on from their best receiver unquestionably in franchise history. But th- th- it's funny to hear him fitty say that, right? Like, because it's that very reason as to why they wanted Cam to be the leader in that standpoint. Yeah, and I think with this organization, I think these are guys who, from everything we've seen in the offseason, they understand that, hey, Bryce is the guy. Like you said, Thielen and everything you heard from them, they're working with him, giving him that advice and things of that nature. But they are guys that are saying they're conceding to Bryce, and especially Bryce has made it easy for them with the leadership that he's demonstrated his demeanor, his attitude, things of that nature. And and I think Hayden Hurst is a leader. Hayden Hurst is a guy that will talk. And I think he's been a veteran in this league, older player already coming in. So as a 30 year old man who's been on a bunch of different teams and successful ones too, at least with Cincinnati, we saw their success last year. Hayden Hurst is a guy. And so that's why I hope that it does. It really just mean Bryce doesn't have enough talent. 
That's what I'm trying to figure out if that's what we really mean. I mean, I think that's evident. Maybe also this was Cam's way of saying without saying because he does, you know, he does have a problem using words sometimes. Mm -hmm. They've got to put alpha males around him because he's not one. Whoa. And and look, that's okay, bro. You know, because Bryce is a quiet, soft-spoken guy. And look, you can. Kirk Cousins is a leader for the Vikings without being this outside of you. You like that? I mean, that was kind of a put-on because he needed to put that kind of emotion forward. Maybe Cam is saying, look, you've got a guy that's going to be a hell of a player, but he's not going to be that guy in the locker room, so you need to put those guys in the locker room around him. Yeah, I don't know about (laughs) – Yeah, I I hear what you're saying because, I mean, he's young, and so you do have a little bit of a weird dynamic. It is hard for somebody to come in as a rookie and be the leader – Everybody, hey, rah, rah, let's, you know, rally the troops and go out there and win on Sunday. But I do see Bryce getting the team together and being fired up. Right, and that's the thing, too. And, like, Alpha can look a lot of different ways. But from what you've seen with him going through the locker room, establishing relationships with the guys, his demeanor and his behavior on the practice field from what we've heard, I definitely think Bryce is an alpha. For one, the guy's a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, the way that he plays, yeah, he hasn't gotten to that level yet. But everything you saw with how he's taking command of the team and the locker room and how guys have rallied around him, he's certainly uh, an alpha. Well, and, and Uber Steve writes this in, so we can touch on this too. I think you guys are missing the point of leadership in terms of coaching. Frank. That's is, what I thought. Frank is not Ron Rivera. But Rivera wasn't an established leader of men, if you will, when he got to Carolina as a head coach. He had to learn that. Well, he became it. No, he you're did. Right. And, and Ron, yeah, very different demeanor than Frank Reich. <laughs> very different. You, so, are you telling me you couldn't see Frank Reich pulling a Pittsburgh Steelers locker room halftime speech? No, I, I could not, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I cannot see that kind of intensity that we saw from All or Nothing, all of the cursing. Everybody loves curse words, man. We got them <laughs> from Ron and All or Nothing. But I do think Uber Steve is right to a certain extent. The problem is, who, buddy, you spend that much money? on that coaching staff and we're questioning if that coaching staff has leadership. We talked with Glover Quinn last week in preparation for the lions. He discussed Jim Caldwell being a great leader and he's on that staff. Do Staley do Staley's personality fits what we're all envisioning right now. When we talk about quote unquote, alpha male loud demanding do Staley's on this staff too. guys seem to respond to him. So that's why it doesn't necessarily make sense to me. I get it. Frank Reich isn't Ron Rivera. That's true. But do you have other guys on the staff? I don't view Avero as softer spoken I at the podium. Thomas Brown, man. Thomas Brown seems like that kind of guy that demands your respect as soon as you walk in because of how he is. I think that I point more towards him kind of leaning towards Frank Reich because he didn't mention him. And then he said when he asked, well, what do you want from Bryce? Saying that he's lacking direction. And the direction for Bryce is going to come from the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator as well. And so I'm with Uber Steve as well. I think that Cam was more pointing towards Frank Reich uh, not being it for him because otherwise he would have included him when he was listing all people that he thought was providing that. And also the fact when he asked the question, what do you want from Bryce? There's only one man who can answer that question, and that's the head coach. All right, 704-570-9610. We're getting a lot of good responses on the text line with this question. We can read some of those a little bit later on. We have Hunter Bailey popping on the Body Works Plus guest hotline in just a moment. But we got to get to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's all right. 
City. James Booknight has undergone successful surgery on his left knee and will be reevaluated in four weeks. And we touched on this earlier. Anthony Richardson placed on the injured reserve with a right shoulder injury, meaning he will miss at least the next four games. Could miss up to eight, just paving the way for a stash god that is Gardner Minshew to maybe lead the Colts. <laughs> To a playoff position in the AFC South. Yeah, it doesn't. They're not going to be playing Anthony Richardson with him going on IR. The Panthers, that is, yeah. once they do have the Colts on their schedule. So we'll get to see Gardner Minshew. And just real quickly with James Book. Why is he just getting surgery now? Well, he just had the AC joint uh, injury. What the past this past game, right? Okay, so it happened last night. No, he got hurt in practice. I thought. Oh, Richardson? Oh, oh no, no, no. I was talking night. about book night. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. A couple, too many injuries. Sorry. Too sorry. many injuries. I, I, I'm sure they were trying to get a second opinion, especially with book night, because this is probably it for him in a Hornets uniform. Yeah. That, that's what I would guess. And that's what I was going to roll with. In this past week, really in the past four days, we might have seen the final straw for book night being injured and Kai Jones Twitter requesting a trade. That draft class, both first-round picks, we might have seen just in a few days' time, both guys hit the point where we haven't, we're not going to see him again in a Hornets uniform. Yeah, yeah, uh, horrible first round for that draft class. JT Thor, though, more Thor, God of Thunder. <laughs> That's right, baby. Had a great game last night in preseason game number one. Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer and the Charlotte Post, a Renaissance man. He joins us to give a breakdown of the Charlotte 49ers season so far. It's coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Some college trash talk during the break. <laughs> going after the 49ers, going after the Heels, going after Wake Forest. Nobody's favorite college team was safe in this studio. Yeah, man. Everybody got it in that during that break. It gets reckless in here it sometimes, does, man. Does. Yeah, I was excited because I was saying the 704 shop. Shout out to 704. <laughs> I thought it was something nice. Yeah, they were dropping the <laughs> Charlotte 49er line. I think it's going to be dropping <laughs> on Friday. I was like, yeah, I can't wait to get some winter gear when I go to the games because I'm season ticket holder. I'm ready to go out there and support the Niners. And then Fiddy said, you just need to quit sports. Yeah. You don't like any good teams. Yeah. And then, of course, Wes got in and then Fiddy, yeah, it just... Yeah, I came in with the elbow off the top rope and then Fiddy counted and moved out the way right at the last second and hit me with a finishing move if <laughs> yes. we were comparing it to wrestling hit me with something it was a lot of haymakers thrown man i did not expect it here i am it went from 
hey, I'm excited about my alma mater clothing line being dropped, to you ain't won anything in years and years and years. Yep, tell me about your old championships, yep. all yep. kind of stuff getting said. All right, there. let's try to get back on track here. Hunter Bailey, he might be able to do it. He's on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can find him on Twitter. At Hunter underscore Bailey 45. He's a renaissance man. He covers the Charlotte Hornets for the Charlotte Post. And he covers the Charlotte 49ers for the Charlotte Observer. Hunter, we appreciate the time, man. How are you? Doing good, man. Good to talk to you guys. Absolutely. A weekly appearance for Hunter. Talking a lot about a lot of different things going on in the Queen City. I do want to know, though, how the Charlotte 49ers did during this uh, bye week. How productive were they? How necessary was it for Charlotte here, Hunter, as they gear up for their game against uh, Navy on Saturday? Absolutely, man. But Poji said it himself yesterday. They needed that bye week. It's perfectly timed. Uh, having having two weeks, an extra week of preparation to prepare for Navy's triple option that's huge. Uh, obviously, a discipline thing there. Got to make right run fits because they are going to run the ball a lot. I think this game is going to last about two and a half hours on Saturday. But they did get some rest. Uh, they only practiced two days last week and had a normal week of practice this week. So gave the players a chance to get home, get out of the building, and kind of get away for a minute before the final seven games of the season get rolling. Now, Hunter, you did tweet out a Biff Pogey comment that Darrell Robinson, running back that we really like, Darrell Robinson, is not going to play this week against Navy. What's going on with the running back, and is it a bad sign he's ruled out on the Tuesday before a Saturday game? They haven't really specified on any kind of injury for him. Uh, he. Looked to hobble a little bit on his ankle against SMU uh, this past Saturday, so I'm assuming it's that. Not 100% sure, uh, but you're right. Rolling him out on a Tuesday knowing, hey, this guy isn't going to be there. Uh, it opens the door a little bit for, for some of the other running backs. Teron Kelman, number zero, will be featured heavily this weekend. And then Joaquin Banga as well. But definitely tough to know in a game that's going to be dominated by the rushing attack that you're missing your number one guy on Saturday. Hunter, it's Wes here, man. And when you talk about this Charlotte defense and you, when you play against the service academies, it takes extreme discipline to stop that triple option attack that they're going to feature Charlotte 10th and the American Conference in run defense right now. And so when you look at this Army team, you know what you – I'm sorry, Navy. You know what you're going to get. They're fourth in the nation in rushing offense. How nervous are you about this defense going up against that? Charlotte's defense has actually held up pretty well in the run department compared to the past few years. And anyone that's listening and that's watched knows that's the case. They've given up some big plays. But overall, they're holding teams kind of within the box. You said 10th in the AAC, and they're going to be tested, right? Navy has a fullback. Fullbacks are back, guys. They have Alex Texa <laughs> rushing for almost eight yards a carry, leads the team. Navy's rushing for like 258 yards a game, which, I mean, it makes sense, right? If your offense is handing the ball off 90% of the time, you should be top five in the nation, and that's what they're going to do. Charlotte, Charlotte's practicing without a football, and if you guys have played, whether it be high school, college football, you know option practices are the toughest because everyone is getting tackled, and so you know there's a lot of physicality going on at Jerry Richardson Stadium this week. And then, so when you look at this team, how has Biff – addressed, especially during a bye week, the penalties. They're 67th in all of college football as far as uh, penalties and the yardage that they've given up, 269 yards on 34 penalties to be exact. And how much has he attributed some of the 
uh, misgivings of this season to that, and how has he worked on making this team a little bit more disciplined? Absolutely. They just keep saying over and over, do your job. If you do your job the correct way, you're not going to get those penalties. And there have been some, big, been some big penalties, right? I mean, you think even the SMU game, not this past weekend, but the one before, they're giving up face mask penalties when they have SMU in third and long. So you're turning field goals or punts into touchdowns. And teams are going to continue to take advantage of that until Charlotte puts those pieces together. You think a bye week like this gives you time to kind of reflect, look at what you're doing wrong, and try and take advantage of it. And going against a team like, like Navy, they've only turned the ball over, I believe it's three times this season. So they're not going to beat themselves. And Charlotte can either. If they shoot themselves in the foot with, penalties, whether it be in the red zone or on third and, third and down distance situations, that could be a killer for Charlotte on Saturday. Hunter, you put out a, a really interesting Charlotte 49ers stat thread about a week ago. You talked about some of the PFF grades, just talked a little bit about where Charlotte ranks in the nation and the conference, brought up some of the leaders. One of the things, though, that you started off with is the quarterback comparison. And how about Trexler Ivy? Just one of the two QBs that Biff Pogey uses a lot. He's actually the highest graded offensive player on this team. 80.2 offensively, 77.7 in the passing game. Yet they still roll with Jalen Jones quite a bit hunter do you see ivy or maybe jones if he continues to rush the ball like he can do you see biff Pogi picking a quarterback and rolling with that guy as the season goes on or, or are we going to see this for the rest of the season i do not um it's it's looking like it's going to be ivy and jones kind of what they do well and biff says it's hard to prepare for for them like that because each of them can do a little bit of everything We've seen the Ivy struggles when teams blitz, and they're blitzing over 50% of the time, but he's that quarterback because they have, I mean, everything out there is free game, right? They're watching Maryland heat him up and him throwing it into the ground, getting sacked. Every team out there is watching that. I think that they are going to continue to play multiple quarterbacks, and I even think Oklahoma transfer Micah Bowen gets into the mix here soon. He's been practicing with the twos this week. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with that because he's got kind of the combination of both, right? He can scramble and get out of the pocket, and he's got the ability to throw the ball downfield. But he is raw, so if they can get him in, get him comfortable, and that's the biggest thing with this, right? You're you've been playing two guys, now you're content, considering introducing a third. How do you give confidence to these guys? Like, hey, even if I make a mistake, you know, I might not play again today and be able to go out there and lock in and really rally with your team because stepping into that quarterback or stepping into that huddle as the quarterback, they're the leader of that group. There are coaches who say that everybody has an opportunity to play. Biff Pogey means it. If you got three QBs in the mix, <laughs> there's some people that say two QBs means you have none. What about three, though? Is that going to be different for the Charlotte 49ers as we move forward? Great stuff from Hunter Bailey, as always, making his weekly appearance Wednesdays at 1245. Follow him on Twitter at Hunter underscore Bailey 45. Not only talking about the 49ers, but also writing about the Hornets for the first time this season. Hunter, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. Thanks, Hunter. Absolutely. Good to talk to y'all. See you next week. All right, man. We'll continue to talk a little more college football on the other side of the break. It's the campus Kona, as Wes likes to say. <laughs> Is Duke in for a rude awakening with the quote-unquote new NC State offense? We'll get to that in just a moment. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.